Um, we looked last time about the gift of God, if you'll look with me in verse 7, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. God has given us His Spirit. And that's, a, that's the, the kind of preamble to what we're going to talk about today, that God has given us the spirit of power and of love and really of a sound mind, uh, one translation says. And so the thing about this is, is that God has given us His Spirit, right? That's important. That's where we start. That's where, that's where this whole uh, is built on. We, we, he's not given us a spirit of fear, though we have all kinds of fears. We talked about that last week. We had millions of fears. Some of you are afraid of uh, being here today, I think. But it's okay. We're only going to be here for a little while. Then we have a potluck downstairs, and if you didn't bring anything, I didn't bring anything. So it's okay. You can go down. Can I go down? You can go down, right? It's really okay. Uh, so God has given us his spirit because he's, he wants to empower us. He wants to help us. He wants to show us a better way than just to be controlled and motivated and run by fear and by weakness. So his power in us, his love in us, and his salvation in us that's working in our minds, working in our hearts and our spirit, and, and to bring self-control, bring calm, and to bring balance. I don't know about you, but I, I need him desperately. That's why we finished last week with that's that, the, the words from that chorus, I need you every hour. I need you. I need him. Each, each of us really needs him. So that's kind of a, a, an entry into what we're going to look at today in the very next verse where it says, uh, look at verses 8 and 9. He says, so do not so do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me as prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us. And jump down to verse 12. And that is why I am suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Not ashamed. That's what I want to talk about today. We're going to talk next week about the middle section there about this salvation, that, you know, what he talks about there in those verses. But because of what he's given to us, he's given us a spirit, his spirit, a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of self-control, discipline, sound mind. He says, oh... Or one version says, therefore, because of what he's given to us, don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner. Paul says, I am not ashamed. Now, I was thinking about this concept of, of being ashamed. And, excuse me. And the thing, the thing of it is, is sometimes there are things that we should be ashamed of, right? Some things that we've done... Uh, things that we've said, things that we've even thought, we should be ashamed. There's a time for us to be ashamed of our actions and, and lead to a doing it right, doing it better the next time or whatever. And we should be. The sad thing, the sad thing about it in, in our world is, is it has gotten so bad is that now 
There is no shame in the world for many, many sins. Right? No shame at all. In fact, they parade them. And they kind of, you know, force it on everybody else. It's just the state of where our, our, our world is at today. It's a very sad state. And we'll see what Jesus says about it uh, near the end of uh, our time in this message, in this passage. But Paul says, do not be ashamed. And do not be ashamed. There are things that we should not be ashamed about. And what he says here, the first thing he, he talks about is about testifying about our Lord. We should not be ashamed about Jesus. About who Jesus is. About the fact that I follow him. That that you follow him. There's something we should not be ashamed about. There's nothing to be ashamed of here. The thing is, it's not very popular nowadays, is it? You know, used to be, used to be a, our Christian nation, you know, where, you know, it, it's okay. If you told someone that you go to church, that told someone that you're a believer in Jesus, that you read your Bible... And now you say that to people around you, and they'll go like, wow, you're some kind of fanatic. You are, you know, what are you going to do next? And you hate everybody, and they have all these things that they think about you now. It's not necessarily popular. But Paul's saying to Timothy, and I, I think he's saying it to us as well, that we should not be ashamed of our faith in Jesus Christ. We should not be ashamed of Jesus himself. Not ashamed to tell people that Jesus is our Savior and our Lord, that he died on the cross for our sins. This is a, this is a, I think it's a timely message in our society today. Not ashamed of Jesus in my life. Paul said, and in, in I'm going to refer to a number of scriptures, but here in, in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, some of you were probably thinking about this verse because he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of this good news message that Jesus Christ came because we were sinners and that he died on the cross for my sins, for the sins of the whole world, and, and whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I'm not ashamed of that message, Paul is saying. And I think he wants us to grab a hold of that too, because sometimes we're quiet, and we're afraid to say anything. We're, 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 we're almost ashamed of, of the fact that something's happened in our lives. But I think what Paul is saying to Timothy here, and what is found throughout the New Testament is, we have nothing to be ashamed of. In fact, it's the opposite. We need to let people know that there's something going on here. Something's happened in my life. Not ashamed of the gospel, because it's powerful. He says, it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Not ashamed. Think about that. Now, this particular situation, Paul is talking to Timothy. And where is Paul when he's writing these words? He's locked up in a dungeon in a, in a foul cell, awaiting really his, his martyrdom, waiting his death. He knew, he knew, as we looked in the first study, that his time was coming very shortly. He was going to die soon. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed. And you shouldn't be ashamed of your faith in Jesus Christ. Why was he in that dungeon? 
because of his faith in Jesus Christ. He was about to be killed for his faith, but he, he, says, he says, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of, of testifying about Jesus. Don't be ashamed about me, he says, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel. Join with me in suffering. And, and you know, part of this deal here is that sometimes it might cost something for us to, to be not ashamed of the gospel. Not everybody's going to look at you and say, oh, wow, that is so good. I'm so proud of you. That's not going to be the response all the time, is it? It may bring suffering. Paul was saying he was suffering, and he says, join with me in suffering for the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel, but it may include some suffering. Peter said it too, didn't he? He said it, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16, he says, However, if you suffer as a Christian, what? What does it say? Do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed, because, but praise God that you bear that name. Praise God that you bear that name. Don't be ashamed of the name, Jesus. Again, the, thinking about the world around us, they, they throw the name of Jesus around. They're not ashamed that they throw his name around you know, the name of God, they, they misuse the name of God all day long. They're not ashamed of that, about that. So for you and I to, to not be ashamed about the name of Jesus, that we bear that name. If we're a Christian, we bear the name of Jesus Christ. That is nothing to be ashamed of. We'll see in this passage. Look at verse 9 again. Here in 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, the very first part says, Who has saved us? Who has saved us? Not ashamed. Why? Because he has saved us. Not ashamed. I did something wrong here. Here we go. That was my, my bad. Not ashamed because he saved us. Because he rescued us. Why, wish, why should we be ashamed of someone who has, who has saved us, who, who has rescued us from certain death? If someone saved you out of a burning house, would you be ashamed of that person? That doesn't make sense, right? I'm not ashamed of Jesus, my Lord, who, who died for me, who gave his life for me. The next thing, down, look down to verse 12 again. He says, in the middle of the verse, he says, Yet I am not ashamed. He was suffering, he said, but I am not ashamed. Why? He says, because I know whom I have believed. Because I know him. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Why? Because I know him. I know what he's like. I know, I know what he's done. I know who he is. Him and I have a very personal, a very real relationship. You know, if you know someone and, and someone is a good friend of yours, are you ashamed of them? It's someone you really like. They've done all kinds of things good for you and, and that. Are you ashamed of them? I remember one of my uh, favorite movies, Elf. Anybody ever seen Elf? I can't recommend a lot of movies, okay? And for obvious reasons, most of them, you just, like, I can't recommend this. 
I can't recommend that. It's like, wow, can I recommend that to somebody? They're going to watch and go, wow, why was he, you know, you know, I don't see a lot of movies anyways, but Elf I can recommend. But Elf, let me, let me just tell you, for those of you who haven't seen it, Elf was not really an elf. I'm going to spoil it all for you. He was really a human being, but he got raised with elves, right? Through a series of circumstances, and it's really, really cute. But he gets rid of, but he's a lot larger than the elves, right? But he grew up, he grew up with the elves, and he grew up with Santa, right? And so at, at some point in time, he, he, he has to go find out where he came from because he didn't obviously fit in with them. So he, he, he makes this trek back to the, you know, the world ends up in New York City, right? And it's Christmas time. And there's these Santas all, you know, all over the place. And the, the first time he sees this Santa, he says, he says this, he says, I know him. I know it's Santa, I know him. Of course, he gets to them and finds out it's not the real Santa, and the guy like wants to hit him or something. But he says, I know him. He was proud of the fact that he knew Santa, right? For you and I to say, I know Jesus, I know him, I spoke with him today. I know him. And not be shy about it. I know him, I know Jesus. See, and I, I talk about this a lot, that it's a personal relationship that you and I have with him where we can know him and he can know us. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And, and, and another place it says that I know them and they know me. He knows your name. He knows our name. A couple of verses I think that, that make this so clear. Number one, John 17, 3, he said, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is in uh, Jesus' prayer. That's what eternal life is all about, knowing him. Paul says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed because I know him. I know Jesus. Why would I be ashamed of him? I know him. And another one Paul writes in, Philippians chapter 3 says, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. The most important thing in the whole world to Paul was that he knew Jesus. When he gets to the end of his life, again, 2 Timothy, the last writing that Paul uh, gives to us, to Timothy. He says, you know what? I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of anything. Though I'm suffering here in a prison and, and my life's about to be over, I'm not ashamed because I know Jesus. I think we have to ask ourselves, you know, well, do we really know him? Are we, are we getting to know him? Is, he knows us perfectly already because he's God, but are we spending time getting to know him, having a, a personal relationship with him? The next thing he, he talks about there is, is that he's not ashamed. Why? Because he is able. He's able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. 
Now, Paul, keep in mind, Paul's writing this. He's, he's in a prison cell. He's in a dungeon cell, and he's writing, and he says, you know what? I'm not ashamed of him because he is able, and he is to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. What did he entrust to him? He entrusted him his whole life, right? He entrusted him his very self. I entrust my life to you completely and totally to you. And you know what you're doing. And even though that, you know, things and circumstances aren't looking so good right now, when you look around and you see this damp, dark cell, I've entrusted my life to him and I know he's able and he's going to do the right thing. You know, for Paul, and it says this in chapter 4, it says that his departure was near. And where was his departure going? His departure was going to heaven. And Paul had written earlier, he says, you know, to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. So he knew that, you know what, even if this ends like this, the way it looks like it's going to end, you know what? I've entrusted my life completely to him and I look forward to being with him. To live as Christ, to die is gain. See, he, he had this understanding and he knew Jesus and he trusted him with his complete and total life. Are we ashamed to let someone know? Someone in our family? Someone we work with? Listen, I, I, I'm a believer in Jesus. I've entrusted my life to him. They're not going to understand that, perhaps. They're going to go like, you are weird. You've entrusted your life to who? Well, I only entrust my life to myself. I'm the king here, right? That's kind of like what we're taught. But to entrust your life, to commit your life to one person, and that person being Jesus Christ, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of that at all. No way, no how. I've got some, as we bring this thing to a close, I want to I look at some strong, some very strong words that Jesus said. So first turn with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 8 and verse 38. Let's turn back to the gospel of Mark chapter 8. Verse 38. You know, Jesus said some pretty strong words. Let's start in verse 36. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? In verse 38, he says, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Those are some pretty strong words, don't you think? Paul's telling Timothy, don't be ashamed. And Jesus says, if anyone is, is ashamed of me and my words in this wicked world around us, and, and you know, that sounds like today, doesn't it? This adulterous and sinful generation, that, that could be written today. For us to not be ashamed in the middle of what's going on around us. The, the NIV Study Bible said this about that verse. He said, a person who is more concerned about fitting into and pleasing his own adulterous and sinful generation, then about following and pleasing Christ will have no part in Christ's kingdom. 
In other words, if we're ashamed of Jesus and ashamed of his words and, and want to just fit in with all around us, we're probably not one of his. We're probably not a, a, a true Christian, a true follower of Jesus, a true disciple. We probably don't know him like Paul was talking about here, if we're ashamed of him. Now, I'm not talking about from time to time we all like that we're afraid to say something. We, we really know I, I should say something. Because this is like a perfect op opportunity, a perfect opening to, to talk about Jesus right here. And fear, you know that fear? God's not given us a spirit of fear, but we have plenty of fears. And I'm talking about being ashamed of him. That's a different kind of thing. Not ashamed. Not ashamed. One more verse on that. Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 10, turn back. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. Not ashamed, I am not ashamed of my Savior Jesus. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. He says, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. That's pretty strong words, isn't it? It just, it, I think Jesus is not trying to pour condemnation. He's just trying to say, listen, if you really are uh, one of my followers, you're, you're going to acknowledge me. You will. He goes on in that passage. We're not going to talk about it, but he goes on in that passage to say that, that you know, it may make things difficult even within families that you acknowledge that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and your, your family members may not understand. How many of you have been like um, mocked in your own family? Any of you? I know I have. Like, that guy's weird, but you know what? Forty years later, I'm still following Jesus, and you gotta, you got to understand there's something real here, and why, you know, and it just gives me more ammunition to say, hey, I'm, you know, he's there for you too, and you could be following him too, you know, and he, he can work in your life, he worked in my life, don't you see? Can't you see that he's done a, a radical change in my life? Now, on the other side of this, I want to, I got to point these things out because I really found this kind of cool. On the other side, Hebrews chapter 2, both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Jesus isn't ashamed of us, right? He's not ashamed of you. That's powerful, I think. But it says it again in Hebrews. Look at this. Instead, they, that, that is those that had faith, and the chapter 11 uh, of Hebrews is the hall of faith. He said, instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Why? For he has prepared a city for them. God is not ashamed of us. Those that are longing for heaven, God is not ashamed to be called our God because He's prepared a place for us. He's, he's got this place prepared for you and for me. I was talking to the kids at uh, a chapel the other day, and, and uh, 
we were talking about that verse where it says that I quoted earlier about, you know, that my sheep, they, they follow me. My sheep, they follow me. And, and like, what does that mean? Is that just one of these Christian words? Well, I'm a follower of Jesus. You know, I'm following Jesus, really. Well, what does that mean? I mean, and so we had the kids play uh, follow the leader, you know, where the, the one kid does something and then they all try to do it after them. We had a couple of kids get up and do that. Well, it's way more than that, isn't it? Following Jesus and not ashamed of it. I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm not ashamed of it. And, and even when it's difficult, even when the world around me is saying, like, you're insane and you're, you know, you, you don't, you're not with it, you don't, you don't really understand. But ultimately, John chapter 14, you know, uh, the, the end of John 13 and the beginning of 14, Jesus talks about, he says, I'm going to go somewhere, right? You know the story. He says, I'm going to go somewhere and you can't go with me right now. And they said to him, like, like where are you going? And again, we're, again, this is in the context of, being, of following Jesus, right? Well, you can't follow me right now, but you will. And they said, where are you going? And what did he say? He said, you know, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, that where I am, you also can come and be there. And then, and then they said, you know, well, we, we really don't know the way. Hello? We really don't know the way. And what did Jesus say? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father. So to get the, the bottom line is what I'm seeing here in the, in the passage in Hebrews and also uh, that we're following him, but the destination, what's the final destination? Paul knew what the final destination was. Jesus explained what the final destination was. It says that in Hebrew, it's a heavenly country, a heavenly home, a heavenly city. It's a place we call heaven, right? That's where we're going. That's where we're going to end up. And we haven't sang it for a while. I think we should sing it again, you know, this song uh, that uh, Billy Maha wrote so long ago that, you know, uh, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow him all the way home to heaven. I'm going to follow him. I'm not ashamed, of, to, I'm not ashamed to, to be a follower of Jesus because where's, it, where's the destination? It's heaven. It's home. And he's prepared this place for you and for me. So, so really, to sum this all up, I'm not ashamed. Why? I'm not ashamed because He has saved me. I'm not ashamed because I know Him. We know Him. I'm not ashamed because He's able and, and we've entrusted our lives to Him. That's nothing to be ashamed about. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. It's powerful. I'm not ashamed. He's not ashamed of me. I think he brags on us, personally. Back in uh, 1999, there was a girl by the name of Rachel Scott, and there's a movie coming out this year. I think it's uh, going to be August uh, or sometime shortly after that. And Rachel Scott, some of you remember that name, she was the first to die in the shootings at Columbine High School in 1999. And so they've, they're making, they're in the process now of finishing this film called I, I'm Not Ashamed. 
But some very interesting things about her. First of all, from April 20th, 1998, which is one year to the day when she was killed, I should say of Rachel's murder, she wrote this in her journal. She wrote this, I am not going to apologize for speaking the name of Jesus. I am not going to hide the light that God has put in me. If I have to sacrifice everything, I will. This is a teenager now, folks. Is that, is that powerful? She didn't know. This is a year before, but a year to the day before this terrible, horrible thing happened there at Columbine. She was the first to die that day. She was eating lunch with her friends. It says on the website, you can look at this on the, the website of the film. And she was shot multiple times when they approached, as they approached. But it says this, that the killers, they knew her, and they were in classes together, and Rachel had shared her faith in Jesus with them, and they mocked her as they got to her. And they said, do you still believe in your God? With a gun was pointed at her head, and she replied, you know that I do. And they killed her. I am not going to apologize for speaking the name of Jesus. I am not going to hide the light that God has put in me. If I have to sacrifice everything, I will. I'm not ashamed, she said. I'm not ashamed of that. She's now in heaven. She's now with Jesus. One last verse I'm going to put up for you is this one here. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, he says, And now, dear children, continue... And that word is the word abide. Make your life in him. So that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. He's, he says, John says, live your life in him now. Abide in him. Live your life in him so that when he comes, we'll be confident and not ashamed. We'll be unashamed when he comes. Not ashamed. Of Jesus. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for Jesus and all that he did for us, all that he did for me. And forgive us, Lord, forgive me from the times I've been fearful and, and even ashamed to say the words. I pray you would uh, give us new opportunities to be bold, bold as a lion about the fact that Jesus is the only answer. He is the only way to get to heaven. I know that's not a popular message, Lord, but, but it's true. It's what you said, that you are the only way. There's no other way. I mean, we're followers of that one way. We're followers of that, that one Savior, Jesus, our Lord, and we know him. We, we're developing a relationship, and we're learning more about him and and. and our, our relationships growing. Jesus, help us to be those lights. Father, I pray for any here today, Lord, too, that have heard about Jesus, heard about the cross, but you've never made a decision to simply let him in and, and to be your Lord and be your Savior. You can do that today. And that's going to open heaven for you. And all you simply have to do is, is call out to him and say, Jesus, please 
Come into my life. Forgive me and, and, and thank you for dying for me. I need you. I need you in my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for letting us be here today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?